Welcome to Lawler Out Loud, and thank you for listening. I'm your host, Christy Lawler, and this podcast focuses on highlighting the amazing men and women that make a difference in the world. And we hope to prove that every single person has the power to make a difference and make an impact. Today's guest is Andrea Cargill. First, let me thank you, Andrea, for joining us today and sharing your story and your experiences. Thank you, Christy, for having me. It's my pleasure. I, I can't wait to talk to you today. I'm so excited. And I, I just want to dive right in. So tell us a little bit more about you. Well, um, I am from Seattle, Washington. I'm very proud of that. It's hard to find Seattle lights that are from there and still there. So um, <laughs> I, I, I rep that proudly. And I am the oldest of five kids, which is crazy. But I'm my mom's only child, so I'm the baby on her side of the family, and then I'm the oldest on my dad's side of the family. So it's quite the dynamic, to say the least. But I think that shaped yeah. me a little bit, <laughs> shaped me a little bit as to who I am today. Um, I had a pretty unique uh, childhood. I got to spend every day before and after school with my grandparents and. They were both born in 1922. Actually, today um, is Papa's birthday. He would have been 97. So, oh, wow. I know. So every year on his birthday, I wear his Notre Dame Fighting Irish hat and his Ireland soccer <laughs> track jacket. And then I also have his vintage Gucci watch that he wore every day. But I only wear it every year on his birthday and then every year on his anniversary that he passed away. So, Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm trying to keep it in good shape. But it's it's very old, so it's a little fragile. Yeah. But yeah, I um and I had a very unique childhood as in spending time with grandparents that were sixty years older than me every single day. I would like to mm-hmm. say that definitely made me who I am um today as a human being, with them both being from the depression, serving in World War Two, they definitely saw different parts of the world and our our culture during a really hard time so as I was Mm -hmm. growing up they really had me focus on helping others whenever I possibly could so for example every year we'd have a food drive and I'd always be the kid who brought in the most food um we would do just a lot of things to give back as far as giving jackets um donations to St. Jude things like that. Um, Another unique aspect of my, I feel like, unique background was Grandma and Papa were two totally different religions. So Papa was very Irish Catholic and Grandma was Jehovah's Witness. And if you don't know what Jehovah's Witness is, it's they don't celebrate holidays. They don't celebrate birthdays. Um, It's much different from the Catholics who are very traditional and have a lot of uh, rules, I would say. Yeah, but the cool, yeah. the cool thing I'd say about my grandparents that I learned the most from was that they always taught me to do what was right, even if it went against everybody else that was around you. So mm-hmm. they never wanted me to feel like I was the odd man standing out as long as I was doing the right thing. So, for example, I love to use these two. I don't like to talk about religion or politics too much, but, you know, it, it kind of goes with a little bit of who they were and and how I am today. So um, every year, 
in elementary school, each classroom would adopt an anonymous family who really needed help with getting everything for Christmas dinner, for Christmas presents, anything, you know, that they possibly needed. And each kid in the class was supposed to pick one item and bring that in. Well, every year, my grandmother Mm -hmm. would literally just pick everything, like provide the entire meal, buy the Christmas presents. Cause she wanted to make sure that they had more than just enough to eat one meal. And then they had multiple presents. So that's so beautiful of her. Yeah. Like for somebody, you know, who was pretty, pretty consistent with her religion. I was pretty impressed by her doing what she felt was right. Um, she was chastised a lot for it. She would even like put a Christmas tree up for me, celebrate my birthday. Aww. Yeah. It was unique. Last night I was actually looking through a bunch of albums to try to find the best picture to post for Papa today. And I found some really cool cards that grandma and I had given each other. And it was just a nice reminder of like how amazing she was as a human being. And um, yeah, honestly, I feel like she was probably the strongest woman I've ever known in my life. So I'm very fortunate that I had her for 21 years. Yeah, every woman needs a female like that in their lives. Yeah, she was just phenomenal. She was fabulous. Her name was Evelyn. Papa's name's Thomas. Uh, they were just really cute together. They met when they were 16 and they mm-hmm. married at 19. Actually, on the 29th is their anniversary. And um, of this month, yeah, yeah. So in six days, oh wow, yeah, we have a busy week in our family during Christmas. Um, yeah. But yeah, so they, they were married until grandma passed away at 81. So they spent many years of their lives together. And um, that is so sweet. It was. It was really, really sweet. Um, I often tell this story of grandma at the end of her life. She made it a point to tell myself and my mom like her goodbye. But I didn't realize that she was telling me goodbye. And it was really cool because she told me, like, how proud she was of me and that she's always going to be there for me and that I was the best granddaughter she could ever ask for. And I think that's Mm -hmm. really cool to have that and cherish that, cherish that for the rest of your life. Um, But then when the night that she passed, she needed help going to the to get up to go to the restroom. And when Papa picked her up, she told him that she loved him and then passed away in her arms. And. It was just like, Gosh. I don't know, I pray to God one day that that's how I leave this world in the, in the arms yeah. of my loved one. I mean, I don't think you yeah. can get any more precious than that and sentimental than that. Um, yeah. So that was really, you know, Papa cried, you know, he held her for 45 minutes before he called for somebody to come help. And he asked me if that was okay. And I was like, you could have done anything. That was your moment at that time. That was your moment. So, yeah, um, that's beautiful. Yeah, it was, it was really beautiful. And then it was interesting because, you know, spending all of that time with them until I was 21, it was very captivating to watch like how my relationship shifted with Papa even more. So after grandma passed away, it was like we were already yeah. best friends, but then we became even closer and we really created a life of what that looked like without her. And it was a transition for sure. But we did. We had a lot of tra- uh, traditions of going to mass, you know, doing Christmas trees together. I'd put it up every year for him. 
Starbucks dates. I introduced him to lattes. Eggnog lattes are his favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, we just had a lot of, of, of great times together. And um, one of the coolest moments, I, I mentioned grandma's moment of doing what she felt was right, even if it went against other people, is my mm-hmm. grandfather literally was like whipped by nuns when he was a kid. So, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's pretty unique and interesting in itself. Um, I'm a, a Catholic myself, but I'm not practicing, so I've never known what that's like. Um, but my papa's very outspoken and he is also a really well known, like, he's Democrat, so he would advocate and write to all of our local senators, Congress. Um, also, he was very, like, active with writing to the presidents, and it was really cool because he had a lot of letters, like, from Barack and Michelle Obama, the Clintons. Um, actually, ironically, last night, I found a letter from Harry Truman to him when he... First, oh, my God. Yeah, from when he first... Um, got out of the Navy. My papa served in the Navy for a very long time. Wow. Yeah. So it had been right after FDR had passed away and Harry Truman came into office and Papa left his active duty to go into being a civilian. And um, I just thought that was so cool. Like I was pretty, pretty shocked by that last night when I found that. But um, yeah, that's incredible, though. Yeah. That you found that. Yeah, it's like oh I have all this history, you know, that I didn't even realize I had. And um, so one day we're sitting in mass. It was actually 2012 election. And the majority of a lot of Catholics are very conservative, right? They have their views yeah. and a lot of them don't align with the Democratic Party. So we're sitting there and Papa sits with like all of these really cute old men. Like they have all of their little seats in the same pew every single week and his friend walks up to him and he he seems like pretty irritated and he's like Tommy did you vote for Obama and I'm like oh god like where is this going and my papa said I did and I voted to legalize marijuana and I voted for marriage equality because it's not your right or my right to tell anyone who we can equally be happy or unhappy with and I was just like love him (laughs) and I was like I just squeezed his hand and I was like I'm proud of you and then his friend like scoffs and like marches off and didn't sit with us and um (laughs) it was just like one of those moments like well first I was like oh my god are we gonna combust into flames like this were like in mass and that just happened but oh my god I walked away from that and I was just like so taken back and then it was even cooler when you fast forward then to 2016. I was mm-hmm. I was doing a really cool event in Seattle with Aisha Gershel. She's a industrial designer, and she was promoting her new book, um, How to Design the Life You Love. And it was really cool because it's a lot of reflection of you. Um, she would mm-hmm. also make us do an exercise of write down the attributes of who your heroes are, or like who, uh, attributes of your hero and. There's 150 people from the A&D community, so architect and design. Um, and I thought naturally, sure, she'd pick one of our clients instead of me. But I was wrong. So she had me share <laughs> the attributes of my hero. And at the time, Papa had just been diagnosed with leukemia. So I was very emotional when I talked about him. Yeah. And um, 
I start saying all these attributes and then I found myself telling that story that I just shared and you can hear the room at first like when I'm like he's Irish Catholic and they were like where is this going you know because the the majority of the room is LGBTQ community so Uh it was a little uneasy at first but then once I got yeah they were worried they were worried they're like what is this girl doing (laughs) where's she going with this like she knows you (laughs) yeah like where's this coming from and then I got through the story they all stood and they clapped for him and then I say is like your hero is all of our hero and then I'm mm-hmm. bawling naturally because, like, it was so overwhelming. Yeah. And, yeah, it was just, it was crazy. And then I, I'll never forget when I left, I called my papa and I told him. And I don't think he ever grasped, like, how tremendous that was for me. But he thought it was cool that I was talking about him as being my hero. So yeah. it was just a really unique memory. And, by the way. Did you know that the attributes you find in your hero are actually the same attributes that you have inside of you? Really? Yeah, that's what Aisha wanted us to learn in that exercise. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. That is cool. So I like that. Yeah. So I know that was kind of a long intro, but I always talk about Thomas and Evelyn because they really have shaped me and kind of put me on the path that I am in life today. So, yeah, you know, no, you're very blessed to have that for sure. So many people don't get, you know, one person that means that much in their life, much less two. Right. I think that's I'm I'm grateful that you shared that because I think it's a beautiful story. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I'm very, very blessed for sure. Yeah. So, okay, so let's talk about we met because you are the manager of a celebrity chef, which I don't even know what that kind of like job entails. Like I know a little bit about it just because we we met, we talked, we've spent some time on the phone and then we met in person over the summer, but I would love to hear kind of like how you got into this. So I'm often asked like what I do for a living. And I just tell people that I eat, drink and travel. Because that's pretty much what I do. And then on occasion, I negotiate some deals and endorsements and all that good stuff. Um, No, but it's funny because if you back up to about five years ago, I was already negotiating with talent agents to have athletes um, wear the clothes that of, of a clothing line that I'm a part of in Seattle, Washington. And, um, I didn't really understand, you know, like when you're just grinding, you're just like getting stuff done. And then finally one day I was like, wow, that agent negotiated over a billion dollars worth of contracts and he's an attorney. That's wild. Like, what am I doing negotiating with him? So it was kind of like one of those surreal moments. And one of my best friends is, I call him Panda. He's a COO um, of a very, very successful coding school. And he is just very sharp, went to University of Washington, Boston School of Business, was named 30 under 30 in Seattle, just a very intelligent human being. And he was like, why aren't you a talent manager? And I was like, you're crazy. And at the time, he was thinking it was going to be for athletes. And then you fast forward just a couple of years later, and Katsuji and I are friends, and I'm telling him why aren't you doing this? And why aren't you doing this? And he's like, 
my agent's not even thinking of these things. And then next thing you know, <laughs> he's at like a business meeting and he tells them that I'm his manager now. <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh my God. gosh. Wait, did he clear that with you first? No, but th- <laughs> this is my PG. He does what he wants. <laughs> his hashtag oh is I took a risk. And I, he literally takes a risk all the time. So, um, hilarious. I didn't know that. Yeah, he kind of just <laughs> catapulted me right into it and honestly I I can't thank him enough for giving me this opportunity because it's opened up so many amazing doors and the people I've met and the other people that we're working with now it's just become very exciting so um we're definitely working on some some great things to give back to No Kid Hungry and work alongside of James Beard Foundation we oh great yeah we spent some some time in Princeton in October with the James Beard Foundation and 150 other chefs and Congress was there staffers were there um, we discussed the issues that we felt are first and foremost priority that need to get shifted right away but I don't know if people know this like when you create a bill it just doesn't happen overnight like it on minimum takes 18 months. So you look at, that's a year and a half of working with your staffers. So I can't express enough how important it is to know your staffers. And when you get to that point of working with them, have a clear and concise message of what you're trying to achieve and why this bill needs to be put in motion so that they can really work on your behalf to get that moving forward. Um you know, for me, especially, Katsuji is very focused on immigration. He obviously came to this country with $5 in his pocket. He came from Mexico City. And he always joked, I came here with $5 in my pocket and I have five restaurants now. But, I mean, his story is just tremendous. And um, I don't know if you know this, but Katsuji just became a citizen of the United States a couple weeks ago. I saw that on his Instagram. Yeah, That is so exciting because I know that process takes, well, longer than getting a bill ready for Congress. Oh, yeah. (laughs) It's been 20 years in the making. He's had... um, My goodness. Yeah, he's had some ups and downs with it. And thankfully, it finally came together for him. And now he's going to be a registered voter and hopefully you know helping and changing some things that are near and dear to his heart so yeah immigration is always going to be very important to him and I will always support that and then um, for me what I've learned is there's a lot of farmers in this country that did not receive the funding that they were told they were going to receive and they're killing themselves at an alarming rate and it's scary because, one, I don't feel like we hear about that in the news. And, no. Uh-uh. Yeah. It, and, and two, it's like, okay, then who's going to take over these jobs? Like, there's not a lot of people that are, like, gung-ho to become a farmer. So, um, I really... It's a hard to, life. It's a very <laughs> hard life, for sure. And yeah. So, I really want to focus on farm workers' rights and farmer rights and making sure that they're getting what they need. And then, in return that helps us right as consumers and people who need to eat like (laughs) i mean so it's a full cycle here so um the focus definitely is going to be on that and then also i mentioned no kid hungry um that's very near and dear to both katsujis in my heart with uh, 
right now there's approximately a million children that potentially are going to lose their funding. And then not to mention, we don't even know the number of kids who do not even register for the free and reduced lunch because their parents are immigrants and they're afraid mm-hmm. to have a paper trail. So we only know of the millions that are potentially going to lose the funding. We don't even know what that other number looks like. And I guarantee you it's massive. So there's a lot of kids out there that are starving and they're not eating. So we definitely want to change that. And um, yeah, some of the things that we have in motion that you'll see open in the next, I'd say in the next two years from Katsuji and myself, um, we'll definitely Mm -hmm. have that focus. I love that you're doing so much to (laughs) empower others and protect and help those that really just need the awareness you know right they really do and they're afraid to have a voice too a lot of people are afraid or they just don't even know where to start and so what all of us at James Beard pledged was we're going to get 10 people registered to vote 10 new people um Mm -hmm. and then just help educate people as to what's really happening and why it's important you know for certain bills to be passed and uh yeah why some change needs to occur um but yeah I think I think that's just spectacular I'm glad that you're doing this it it is and you know and Kat's always been a big uh Kat's always supported no waste which is another James Mm -hmm. Beard initiative but if you ever go to his restaurant so like Barrio in Chicago you have leftover chips right he doesn't just throw those away. He sends those home with you with a recipe on how to make chilaquiles for breakfast the next morning. Mm, which I that's think one of my favorites. Tremendous. <laughs> yes. So, you know, Kat's really good about making sure nothing is thrown away. Everything is used. Because, um, again, you know, we have a bigger problem with food in this country as well. So we don't want to waste what we have. Yeah. And, yeah, so... I mean, it's kind of cool. And I, I, again, like me, like really being passionate about No Kid Hungry, I feel like that's Evelyn emerging through my voice. She'd be super proud knowing that I'm carrying her forward because that that was definitely her mission. No, that's, that's definitely, I would agree with that for sure. I think that that's everything that they did and the way that they impacted you, the way that the example that they set for you impacted you is definitely paying it forward. They would be so, so proud because, and look, you're just, uh, instead of being like, yeah, I do these things. You're like, I do this because of them kind of thing, you know, like praising them. It's, it's huge and it's beautiful. I, I just love it. And I love your story of like how, your work life impacts the community that you serve too. So I know that there was, um, there's something else that you're doing that's STEAM related. Yes. Um, and that's, is that, is that a nonprofit, I think? So um, the STEAM initiative I created was, I created it three years ago. And I'll kind of walk you through how I got there. So I, <laughs> I always have a yeah. reason. So when my son was three, I became a part of his life, and um, I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I was literally barely 25 years old. I'd become a mom literally overnight, and I was like, okay, here we go. Fast and furious. Like, what in the world just happened to me? So, um, 
definitely right away I learned a lot of patience. I learned what it's like to have unconditional love. Um, just I, I continue to learn from him every day. He actually just turned 16. And he is the most thoughtful human being I've ever known in my entire life, which... And I, every day he just surprises me with something that comes out of his mouth. It's, he's just, he's different. He's, he's definitely on a different path. I feel like in life. And that's awesome. It is. He's, he's just a really remarkable human being. And, um, when he was about four, maybe five, he started drawing houses and I would tell his dad, he's either going to be an engineer or an architect. And, um, he would draw these houses and let's say there's six people living in the house. He had to make sure there were six bathrooms for all six of those people. Cause it was so important for him that they all had their own bathrooms. And I was like, this is really odd. <laughs> like, okay. But like that kind of gave me a glimpse into how he was thinking. And yeah. So he, he continued drawing very successful with that. And then, I noticed that math was something he really loved. And every day before, like as we would drive to school or when we come home from school, I'd always be constantly testing him on math equations. And he became very, very strong in that. And that then I started leaning into that. And I was like, okay, so we've got like an engineering brain. We have a mathematical brain. And then um, he and I have always been very competitive with each other over video games or as we call them, vids. And... <laughs> that's the only time our relationship really gets rocky is when we're like fully into this game competing against one another <laughs> uh-huh. um but yeah he absolutely loves video games and actually last year for christmas he asked for this huge list of computer parts and i'm like you've got to be kidding me like what in the world and then a week later he had built this computer and then he was developing video games on that com- computer and i was like okay all right. Wow. Yeah. So he's taken the technology piece of his life to a much larger scale. Um, he's also done some digital design, uh, 3D video games, virtual reality. Like he's learning how to code. Like he's just doing a lot. And then um, also when he was about nine or 10, he. I started to realize he was really into science and one night he was with his dad and he texted me and it was like 11 PM. And I'm like, what in the world is a school night? Like, why are you awake? And it's like this video of this robot moving that he had just built with his dad. And it was like a pop can, a battery, some pipe cleaners, like some random things. And I'm like, is this real life? And the thing was actually (laughs) moving. So I was just like, okay, so science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, my child's focusing on all four arenas. And then for me, we tend to lose sight of arts, which I think is extremely important. Um, I'm very Mm -hmm. much advocating to have that added into STEM for STEAM, especially with my son. He, He played the trumpet. I played the clarinet. My uncle was a very well known, um, music conductor we had music stores I worked in the family business for my first job um obviously I represent the celebrity chef culinary is massive in the arts and yeah you know I think music arts design my background's fashion like it all ties in together and you still have to use technology now to do a lot of these things and um Katsuji was actually on a platform 
or a speaking panel talking about the future of technology in the kitchen. And I don't know if people are aware, but in the next few years, you're going to see robots in the back end of the house. And I don't know what it's going to look like, but at the end of the day, you still need a chef working with a programmer to program these robots, right? Yeah. So I just don't, I don't like the idea of robots in the kitchen. You know, I don't think I either. I think it might be, I can, I can envision it maybe on like a fast food aspect or I I don't see that in a fine dining environment at all. Cause I think Mm -hmm. you go there for an experience and who wants a robot? Um, (laughs) like, but that's my personal opinion. Um, but yeah, so as parents, we want to be invested in what our children are doing. So I really immerse myself into STEM or as I call it STEAM to see like what's going mm-hmm. on. What are the resources for this? How are kids having access to learning how to code, how to build robots, you know, engineering, architecture, all of those things. And about 10 years ago, I really had a, a moment like at this time. So 10 years ago, G was six years old. I realized there's so many children and, you know, Washington state is not massive compared to like a California or New York or anything like that. Mm -hmm. But there were thousands of children in a similar situation living with non-biological parents or being raised by non-biological parents or in the foster care system or adopted. And I was like, if there's thousands of kids here, like what's going on in Chicago? What's going on in Los Angeles? Yeah. And, and it was really alarming to me. So I started partnering with Little Red and they've been around for like 25 years. And every August in one day, they provide between 2,500 to 4,000 kids, depending on the need that year, backpacks, school supplies, um, some clothing, things they need to succeed for their school year. And that kind of just really got me like motivated and in, in realizing one, every year I'd, I'd walk away crying by something, some, mm. some situation during that day would, you know, really like rock me to my core, but I would start to realize how appreciative I am for what I have, what I'm able to give to others. And, um, I really started to find myself thinking, how can I do more? And I'm very fortunate. I have two very strong women, um, Beverly Sherman and Delissa Lynch. And those are the mothers of Richard Sherman and Marshawn Lynch. And they give so much back to their communities. Like Mama Sherman's constantly in Los Angeles trying to help Skid Row clean up what that looks like, help the homeless. Mama Lynch, she was a teen mom, so she gave a lot back to team moms and she tries to motivate them and help them stay on track. That's awesome. And then, yeah. They're like tremendous. And then you've got their sons who are on an even different level. Like Richard has blanket coverage foundation where he's giving back, you know, backpacks, school supplies, all those things. And I actually got to help be a part of that when it first launched. And, um, Marshawn, he has family first foundation with his cousins, Josh Johnson and Marcus Peter they're based out of Oakland, but they also take it to every city that they play football in. And they give like full on meals for Thanksgiving. They do coding camps. They do football camps where they bring out brand new Nikes, Jordans for these kids to have, feed them. Wow. I mean, it's just tremendous on what they do. So I'm constantly exposed to these things. And 
I am just like motivated all the time. So three years ago, I was living in Portland, Oregon, or I just moved to Portland, Oregon. And um, my ex was a D1 men's soccer coach and the city of Portland likes to say that they're soccer city USA. But Mm -hmm. being from Seattle, we know that Seattle is soccer city USA because we have two MLS cups. (laughs) so congratulations Seattle (laughs) I I don't buy that one bit but I did actually see something there that with Portland still being a smaller city that I could be involved more and be heard and people would actually lean in and want to get involved so I reached out to one of my dear friends that have been in my life for 20 years he works for Dasher Technologies and I was like hey why don't we start an initiative that we base it around one Portland Timber soccer match. We create a tailgate where all of these professionals come, they do networking, we feed them, we give them drinks, and then we march to the match and we get to watch this soccer game. And all the money that we bring in, we'll give back to the inner city kids that have a focus on STEAM. He's like, I'm all in. So then next thing you know, I'm talking to Technology Association of Oregon. Riley there was like, so excited um herman miller supported me 100 percent to get this initiative off and then the next thing you know we have all these tech companies local in portland and then also international throwing money to support it and it was tremendous so the first year we raised about ten thousand dollars and the second year we had a hundred more people show up and we raised even more money so it was like First year, obviously, you're, like, planning. Second year, you're executing. And now we're just in the growth stage. But it's exciting because people now look forward to this event every year. And then Mm -hmm. we just continue to raise more and more money to give back to the kids. Well, I happened to be um, in Raleigh when Katsuji was opening up High Horse. And I was, like, learning more about the state of North Carolina and where Katsuji, you know, was was definitely going to be fully immersed in his new venture in life. And I learned that North Carolina is the number one state for women in tech. So that was very intriguing to me. Hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah, it's massive. And then their women's professional soccer team, the courage are the champions. So I was like, huh, why don't we, why don't I reach out to them? So immediately the owner uh, I get in touch with the owner for the Courage and potentially the new Major League Soccer team that hopefully will be going to Raleigh soon. And I pitched, you know, what I've done with the Timbers, and they're like, we're all in. So now, now we're doing awesome. this in Raleigh, and I'm excited because then Katsuji gets to be really involved with that. Um, and then the Chicago Fire heard what I was doing, and they're all in. They want this in Chicago, and Chicago is very near and dear to my heart, so I really want to help as many kids in that city as possible because there's so many children falling victim to drug and gun violence and gang violence. And, you know, if they don't have a loving home or parents at home, I mean, children base love off of the time spent with them. So they're naturally going to flock to somebody who gives that to them, whether it's positive or negative, right? Yeah, of course. So... 
I'm hoping after this summer I have a better idea of where I'm going. I think I know me, and I always think big, so I think I'm just going to go straight to Major League Soccer and Women's Soccer um, to say, hey, like, how do we just make this a national event, you yeah, know? that's fantastic. So we'll see. They'll, <laughs> I'll have to like, keep you posted on what that looks like. Um, but it's it's really cool. My uh, There's a magazine in Raleigh that Katsuji was on the cover of, and they heard about my STEAM initiative and, like, what I'm going to be doing with the Courage. And they're like, we want to feature you in the magazine and be the ones that release it. And I'm like, cool. So I'm, like, telling my nephew, Jaden, this story. And <laughs> Jaden, for the record, is, like, my miniature best friend. And um, he pitched a one-loss season this last year. He's just a tremendous baseball player. And I'm going to knock on wood so he stays healthy, but... My goal is to have him as my last client one day and just retire watching him play Major League Baseball. Mm. Uh, I'm very proud of him. Yeah. Um, but I was telling him that, and he was like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to have to buy that magazine. And I'm like, I will give you the magazine. And he's like, but will you sign it? <laughs> I was like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> but then I was like, only if you sign your first baseball card in me. So he's like, deal. But I thought it was so cool that he was so proud of me and, like, what I was doing for kids. It yeah. was really touching. That's awesome. And, yeah. And, you know, to go back to my son, like, he's the why, right? He's my why. I do everything. But it's for him, I think now he's start, starting to understand, like, how big of a deal it is. And that's actually helping kids. And I think for him, that's, like, exciting. Um, yeah. He's just really he's he's such a humble kid like I I shared this story with no kid hungry um he made a new friend at school and I I was like gee where's all your your spending money going and he's like well my friend couldn't afford to buy lunch so I bought him lunch and I was like oh like you know I was like oh my gosh but then he's like don't worry I found a way to get him on free and reduced lunch and I was like <laughs> is this real life <laughs> like okay and it was just like it took me back and and I was just so proud of him in that moment and no kid hungry is like does your son want to come work for us (laughs) (laughs) right I know that's super cool I think it's cool because like children need to realize too that they're advocates and other Mm -hmm. kids are looking at what they're doing and you can have a following by being positive it doesn't have to be because of like you know, you're being negative or how many materialistic things you own. Um, people are really leaning into that nowadays, I see. Yeah. So. No, definitely. If people are paying attention. Yes. Yep. Um, yeah, especially. And I think social media has been a huge part of that. Like people are actually paying attention, even though we tend to disconnect more because of social media, we're also connecting in different ways. And I think better ways and the world gets smaller and and there's 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 beauty in that really to me yeah Yeah. I see a lot of positivity in it but so I wanted to know um if you weren't I mean you're obviously you've got your hands in a lot of stuff and you definitely focus on making the world a better place what would you do if you were just sick like bill and Mag- melinda gates rich sick oh my god. rich what would you do oh my god um by the way i love them another i'm so blessed to be from seattle to have 
Bill and Melinda Gates in our backyard, Jeff Bezos, <laughs> Paul <laughs> Allen was tremendous. Like, I grew up around some pretty uh, intelligent, giving individuals. So, um, I definitely would make it a point to open a STEAM center in every single larger city across America. Um, Nipsey Hussle was somebody I admired deeply, and he was that, that was actually his mission in life, to open that. He started one in Compton in a co-working space. I know that TI was working on one in Atlanta, and they were looking at, like, D.C., Baltimore, some pretty um, pretty large areas of the country that are that have a lot of crime so that's where they mm-hmm. wanted to start and so I would definitely do that um, one of my favorite quotes by Nipsey Hussle is the highest human act is to inspire so I think that you know being able to do that would be my lifelong dream I also have um, my ironically I'm very close to my marketing and fashion teacher from high school and I know I mentioned fashion was my background. We both have shifted into the STEAM focus. So she is a dean of the largest STEAM school oh. in the state of Washington. And she's also on the board of all of these. Um, I forget how what they're called. But there's they're schools throughout the country for that focus on STEAM. And she's always been one of my biggest supporters. And she's always said, she's like, one day I'm going to work for you. And I, I found out recently she's had a picture of her and I in her office all these years. And oh when goodness. kids come in, yeah, like when kids come in, they're like, who is that? And she's like, that's one of my favorite students and she's going to make a difference. And I was just like, so taken back when she told me that about six months ago, I, I was, it was very cool. It was very humbling experience yeah. for sure. So I would definitely bring her in. Um, I, I believe in having a village and I feel like with her by my side, we would, would really change the country on a much larger scale and you never know i'm hoping one day i'm bill and melinda gates rich and we <laughs> can do that um but yeah i would definitely have her help help that and then you know i, I have a soft spot for animals i've always said if i could just have a huge plot of land and a bunch of dogs with their own little like fancy houses to live in and just rescue all these dogs that would make me happy I love it. You're, you're there. How are you going to find the time to do all of this stuff? I don't know. Well, I'm very good <laughs> at time management. My mom literally taught me <clears throat> to like, if anything in this world, you have to manage your time. And um, my mom was a single mom. She worked multiple jobs when I was younger. And that's why grandma and papa really stepped in and took me in while she was working her butt off. Um, again, another very strong woman in my life. I've learned so much from my mother. I yeah. Can't. Oh my God, I'm gonna cry. Um, <laughs> my mom really just she's kind of a she's kept us together and she's done a lot for Giovanni, my son. Um, they're like best friends, so I love that to see awesome. them have that same relationship like I did with Grandma and Papa. Um, yeah, she she's yeah she's definitely helped me stay on track and when I'm traveling, you know, pick up the slack. And make things happen still when I in my absence. So I couldn't do it without her. That's That's awesome. Yeah. I love I love how many just really just amazing people you have in your life. It's really, really cool. 
Yeah. I'm very you are. Passionate. You really are. But and so is your son, though, to have these influences too, and yes. from you and passing yeah. it forward. I think it's really, really awesome. So uh, that I want to know, do you have any regrets, anything you would go back and change or something that you would do differently in the future based on past experiences? I wouldn't call it a regret. Um, There was a time in my life in three years period, I lost three of the most important people in my life. And, And this was, and I'm talking like, this goes back to 2010, 2011, 2012. And, um, one was, you know, one was 38 years old and the other two were under 30 years old. So like they, they didn't have a lot of life in them before they left this world too soon. And, um, one was my best friend, Mike. I unfortunately was there when they were taking him out in the bag and put him in the van. And man, that was a very tough lesson I had to learn in life and what I went through and, um, then my cousin, who is more like my older brother, I sat by his side in the last two days of his life while he was hooked up to life support. And um, he literally watched over me my entire life. He was eight years older than me. We would talk to each other every day on the phone. He'd let me tag along when I was 20. Probably shouldn't have been in some of the places I was yet. I wasn't 21. But um, <laughs> he always just let me tag along. And you know, that was, we had actually, this is the close to a regret that I'll ever have. Um, we had been fighting and it was Wednesday and I wasn't answering the phone for him. And he called my mom and I told her to tell him I wasn't there. And I could hear him say, well, have her call me because I miss her. And then I was supposed to leave to go to Mexico and I'm a very intuitive person. I like to follow my instincts mm-hmm. or I try to. And something told me to cancel my trip. So I canceled my trip. And my mom's like, what's going on? I was like, I just feel like I have to be here this weekend. And then fast forward to Saturday when um, Paul had had his accident. Um, next thing you know, I'm sitting in an ER and like next to him and he couldn't speak to me. So I missed mm-hmm. out on the last time to actually have a conversation with him just days before um, because I was mad at him. So I learned a lot from that. Um And then, yeah, and then you fast forward to nine months later, my best friend, Alicia, passed away from leukemia, and I had sat with her in the hospital while she was fighting that um, before they sent her to MD Anderson in Houston, Texas. Mm -hmm. Um, But she was so strong. Uh, Unfortunately, she was pregnant with her second child when they found it, and so we had to go through a lot of things with that, and, um, you know, I think in those moments of when you lose your, your people... Yeah. You, you know, you really just, you learn a lot about yourself. You learn a lot about what's your priorities from that point on and how you can be a better, you know, friend, daughter, cousin, whatever. Um, yeah. And it, I think that in itself changed me. And unfortunately, we have to go through those hard times, I think, um, to grow. You know, we have to grow through them. Yeah. And um, so... I don't regret things, but I definitely now approach things much differently. And I appreciate the who and the what and the why in my life a lot more, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's, I can definitely relate to that because it's not, it's not one of those things where you necessarily can't really regret it. 
because there's nothing really you could have done about it. It's not your situation to fix, you know, but at the same time, that loss, like that, that residual pain that just kind of lingers and then yep. it turns into a memory and, and it's a bittersweet memory because there's beauty in it, but there's sadness. Right. Um, but yeah, that's, I, that's really interesting. That's, uh, that's, an, that's the first time someone's answered that question that way for me. Um, yeah. And, and it makes me reflect on some of the experiences of loss in my life too. And how I now years removed from the loss, I'm still looking back and I'm sad, but I'm also happy and at peace too. Right. It's kind of, right. it's kind of weird, isn't it? It's a how weird, it's weird. Like, and I've told people this too, cause I've been fortunate to be in the room when my nephews and nieces were born and I've been in the room when I've lost my loved ones. And there's mm-hmm. a beauty, I think that both instances portray mm-hmm. and I, I said this for a while, but I think it came full circle for me um, when Papa passed away two years ago on November 29th. And, you know, Grandma had already, she had done, like, you know, gave me the goodbye. But I would always tell him, like, please let me know if you feel like it's your time, right? And um, 10 days before we lost him, I called in Father Michael. We read our final rites that day. We, we spent, like, three hours just laying there talking, crying, laughing. And he was like, I'm going to visit you in your dreams as much as I possibly can. And I really did think that was my moment. So I was really happy and content. And then um, he had fallen asleep. And I, I go to his house one more time because he was he wanted to pass away in his house. And we, mm-hmm. we definitely wanted to respect that. And he's laying there. He's asleep. He has a washcloth over his eyes. And my mom and aunt were there. And my mom said to my aunt, he's going to wake up for her. I know it. And as soon as he heard my voice, sure enough, he, like, takes the washcloth off, and he's just, like, staring up <laughs> at the ceiling. And I'm like, hi, best friend. And I was like, okay, like, just trying to talk to him. I was like, wait, who are you looking at? He's like, I don't know who they are. And, and then I was trying to make light out of really um, intense situations. And I was like, well, at least you're not looking down. So, like, ah. at least we know you're going up and not down. Um but he was just, like, really out of it. So I said, okay, best friend, I'm going to let you sleep. And he looked at me. He, like, snapped out of whatever trance he was in. And he was like, we are best friends forever. And I'm going to wait every day for you until it's your time to cross over. And I literally just was like, I didn't know what to say. Like, my mom and aunt are crying. My ex-boyfriend's standing there like, wow, that was deep. Yeah. Um, and, you know, naturally... I'm trying to hold back tears to be strong for him. And I said, okay, I love you. It's time to sleep. And he literally went to sleep and he uh, passed away right after that. So it was, it's very interesting, you know, like when you lose your loved ones, it does something to you. But like in that moment, um, I, I feel like I haven't mourned my grandfather the way I mourned like Paul. I mean, I still cry about Paul all the time. I miss him. You know, he was my first best friend. Um, yeah. And, but I feel like Papa never left me. Like, man, I, the way he left this world, I, I couldn't have asked. I mean, I don't think I'll ever get an opportunity like that again, but um, I feel like he's still with me. Like, honestly, I know he's with me today. It's definitely on his birthday, especially since I'm wearing his yeah. clothes. But like, I know he's very proud of, you know, like what I'm doing today, even having this conversation um 
yeah he he was also a big person to teach me to tie in this regret part of it to never regret anything like yeah. don't have the shoulda woulda couldas you know like this is your path you learn from it and then you grow on to your next step or your next your next big thing so yeah oh, wow it's crazy yeah it's beautiful really yeah it's just I love I love your story I love I love hearing about everything that you've just learned about yourself through others I think it's really just spectacular um, so what would you want um, people to know about you? I mean, you've shared so much, but if someone is, you know, comes up and talks to you, like, what do you want them to know? Um, I think that, you know, I'm a very selfless human being. And sometimes people say that's my fault. Um that I give so much that sometimes I don't have enough time for me and honestly recently I've been like so focused on self-care because I think self-care is something that needs to be a priority in our lives and I also mm-hmm. um, think mental health is the most important thing that we can give ourselves um, making sure that we're taking care of that I actually had <clears throat> an incident happen um Well, first, I always like to take a negative and turn it into a positive. I will always do that. I will always, no matter, like, what's going on, I always try to see, like, (laughs) my friends actually said this to me. I, I, this was horrible. I was robbed in um, Dallas in an Airbnb, of all places, by the house cleaner and her friend. And I'd walked in on them not realizing they were robbing me. And then until like the lady like runs out with a bag full of garbage which is actually all my stuff and um I just remember saying to myself like thank god I didn't get hurt like that's all I didn't care about like the six thousand dollars worth of stuff they just got for me I cared more (laughs) about thank god I did not get hurt because you could tell the one woman was like on drugs like yeah it it was just like a very and of course I had bad juju feelings right like I felt instantly like something's wrong here so um that situation I I found the positive in it but there was one that that really shook me to my core in July um I won't get into too many details because like family dynamics are are a little crazy at times but um I had a family member while we were in Las Vegas celebrating um his birthday physically assault me um and then not only that but like spit in my face not once but twice threw beer all over me like such like a fast motion of so many things happening at once right and I was sitting on that couch but like defenseless and thank god for my other family member who stepped in and got that person away and you know us as human beings we have our fight or flight and I remember sitting Mm -hmm. there and this was really interesting um and I do feel like sometimes our loved ones have passed on are still with us and have some control and in helping us in certain situations and I was sitting there and I felt like kind of like my right arm start to clock up like I was going to defend myself and then I felt like something had pushed it down like not physically just like something had pushed it down and then my brain shifted the flight so automatically I was like you need to call an Uber you need to get your stuff you need to get to McCarran call Alaska Airlines get on the first flight out right yeah and I absolutely did that 100% and <clears throat> that in itself was like wow, I was so impressed with how my brain shifted. 
but then I get to McCarran, I have to sit there for three hours because there's that's the next flight. And then you start processing like, wow, what in the world has happened to me? And how am I going to explain this? Like I had like this little black eye under my eye. I had this massive bruise on my inside of my thigh where the beer bottle had hit my leg. And then not to mention internally what I was just like going through. And yeah. My mom, again, was my savior. I, I, I flew straight to her in Seattle, and I went into hiding for about four days so I could ner- get my face right. <laughs> like, I was Jeez. like, I'm not going anywhere to explain what happened to my face. No, that's crazy. And then, you know, really just break down, like, what I was going through because, to me, loyalty is everything, and that was just, like, just life-changing at that point. So, yeah. Um, I slowly got out of my, my little uh, safety zone, I guess you could say, because I still had to travel. I still had to do everything. I had to live life like nothing had happened. And mm-hmm. I found myself being really angry, right? And Yeah. And um, I Well, that's, you know, that's a natural response, right? <laughs> it is. It is. And I find that, um, well, I learned that anger a lot of times is, really actually just grief right but you're not realizing it and you're mm-hmm. you're exercising it in the wrong way so people who were close to me I found myself like snapping out at them being mean to them things that I wouldn't normally do and it was like wow like why are you treating them the way that this person treated you you know what I mean like that's not you yeah. so um I found this amazing app called uh talk space and it gave me a counselor. Her name's Tina. She's fabulous. Um, so basically, I have access to her five days a week. I can text her. I can leave her recorded voice um, recordings. And literally, like, she responds right away. And it, she really helped me through this process to get back to who I am and realize, like, that was not okay. That's on them. And Mm -hmm. then it was really interesting because she's like, you need to forgive yourself. And I'm like, forgive myself for what? But then that's when I started to realize, like, when you're the oldest child, you play a different dynamic. You feel responsible for other people. Well, I'm not responsible for them. They're adults. They're responsible for themselves. You know what I'm saying? And it's okay to say no. And it's really been empowering to me to get back on that track. Because professionally, I say no all the time, but personally, not so much. So, um, you know, really, it's just helped me get back to who I am and remember who I am and everything that I've always grounded myself to be as a human being. And um, yeah, I I found myself one day during this process about a month ago, deleting 12 of my family members off of social media, which I've never done. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you have to do that, like, because they some of them never even asked me like how I was doing and, you know, really enabled the other person who did this and, you know, was trying to sweep it under the rug and they would watch like my stories and try to celebrate and my success and victories. But I'm like, yo, like <laughs> that's not okay. Like this is my life. You don't get to be a part of it. If you think yeah. that behavior is fine. And so I had to make that decision and um, it was so empowering. And you know what? I'm a firm believer of, you have to let go of what's hurting you to make room for the good. Yes. And Chrissy, no doubt, like, I'm not even kidding you. Literally the day later, like, something big happened in my life. And I was like, see, I released that. And then something good came right after it. So, um, well, that's yeah. good. It is. Yeah, that's, I, that's hard. 
it's I can't, very I, hard. Wow. It's very, very hard. And, you know, families are just a hard dynamic. And I feel like, you know, you don't necessarily have to be blood to be family. I mean, I know that for a fact with my son. And I love him more than anyone in this world. And, mm-hmm. you know, family is mm-hmm. the ones that are sitting there wanting to grow with you that are in your village that are also trying to be successful and you're helping each other not just in the good times but also in the bad times you know um Mm -hmm. so yeah I I think you know just to say you know who I am and what I want people to know about me is just you have to love yourself first before you can love anyone else and you have to take care of you and self-care is a thing and you know it's okay to go to counseling. It's okay to get help or ask for help, you know, if something of course. Yeah. Is, is off in your life. So, And I think that's changing too. I think that the stigma is kind of waning on people recognizing that self-care is just part of life. It's a very critical part of your self-preservation, really. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm, I really appreciate you taking the time to share so much. Um, it's really, you're a very positive person. I really, I admire your energy um, and your just enthusiasm for, for helping others, truly. Um, so if people want to learn more about everything that you do, um, how can people reach you? Um, I'm really into Instagram, I think that's just kind of our future. Um, so at Dre one nine two four, uh, is my handle also. Um, yeah. Like if they want to send me a message on there, I'm always willing to talk and I respond and beg. I'll give my phone number, whatever they need. Um, <laughs> yeah. And anybody awesome. who like wants to learn more about steam or get involved and help us out by all means, I'd love to, love to meet you oh that's fantastic i'm sure people will want to too because there's so many different things that you do that just help the world and i love it it's not just one area it's just it's really cool i admire you andrea a lot thank you (laughs) thank you i'm hoping that that we can have another rendezvous in aspen i know i know witty on the rocks on the rocks was amazing and i can't thank you enough for like helping me to make that happen when everything went sideways and we ended up figuring everything out what you're doing is tremendous and i really do appreciate how much you help women and you empower women like that's we need more women like you in this world and i got i have to give a shout out to my girl gang because they would kill me if i didn't but Ah, okay i I, I mentioned all the other strong women I have in my life, but my girl gang are like my five main girlfriends that ground me and I'd be lost without them. So I'm very fortunate. That's awesome. I'm glad that you have. I know I have a girl gang too. They're, it's, it's so important. So it important. Is. And you reach yeah. out to them constantly. Like it's nice oh, to yeah. have that sounding board and people that just know you and understand you and are always there. It's yep. really, it's really positive. Well, thank you so much for being on the show and sharing so much about yourself and your history and your life. And I, I'm really grateful. Thank you. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And thank you all for tuning in to Lawler Out Loud, Mixing Up the Mainstream.